All right, uh, Matthew chapter 20, we're continuing our series in the book of Matthew. We're going to finish the chapter, uh, but before we do, we're going to go ahead and pray, and then we'll get started. Lord, thanks for this morning, and thank you for the opportunity we have to serve the greater community and things like gifts. I pray, Lord, you would uh, help us to have a heart for that kind of thing. And so I pray in our time this morning that you would uh, be with us and you, you would spur us on, uh, that we might grow, that we might be challenged, maybe convicted a little, but encouraged for sure. And so, Lord, we pray for that out of the passage and our time coming up. But, Lord, we also pray for those affected by the fires. Uh, Southern California, Northern California, those displaced, those who are fighting, those who are trying to find loved ones, Lord, those who have lost people. We're so grateful, Lord, that you control the winds and you can control the fire. And we're confused and we're frustrated because, Lord, it seems like for the last couple of years, we keep having the biggest fire in California's history, only to be beaten by the next year. Stop it, Lord. Make it stop. We pray for help. We pray for recovery. We pray for rebuilding. We pray for all those kind of things. Provision, Lord. Pray that there will be Christians that come alongside other people and, and pray for sure, but do more than just prayer. We provide real response, real provision, real need. Uh, food, clothing, money, whatever it is, Lord. Come alongside them. So, Father, we pray all this in your son Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. Good morning. Welcome to Rock Bible Church, or Christ-centered, biblically-based, compelling, casual community. We are compelling ourselves and others to Christ in casual ways that welcome all to worship, be in a community that serves the greater community, amen. And I think that's uh, what I like about the Christmas tree thing, is it gives us a chance to serve other people, which plays into our theme today. Because serving is going to come up a lot, okay? Uh, we're Matthew chapter 20. Jesus has been teaching and he's been traveling. Uh, along the way, he's been, he's been working his way down, uh, down the valley and now he's headed up the hill. He's going to leave Jericho today because he's on his way to Jerusalem. Uh, he's got a date with the cross. He knows where he's going. He knows why he's going and along the way, he's stopping to teach at different times, and uh, amazing things are happening, miracles are happening, uh, great truths are coming out of it, um, and all of a sudden, he's going to run into a Tri-Valley mom. <laughs> well, I think, you're going to either confirm or deny this as we get started, uh, but we're also going to have then another story that seems like it has nothing to do with the first story. And for those of you who have been paying attention and keeping score a little bit, this seems to be pretty common now in the book of Matthew where he jumps from stories, which means Jesus is having a bunch of different experiences. Praise God for what Luke said in his book, that if we took all of Jesus' stories and wrote them down, they wouldn't fit in all the books of the world. But for some reason, uh, God and his spirit, through Jesus' experience, have spurred Matthew to only put certain ones in, and yet the ones that he puts in seem like they're disconnected. 
And yet these two today, although they look like they're disconnected, I think they're absolutely connected and in there on purpose. We're going to see some stuff stuck in the middle that we would focus on and target. And you're going to come out of here thinking, oh, wow, I've heard these things separately before. Glad to have heard them together maybe for the first time. Uh, so that's Matthew chapter 20, verse 20 through 34. And let's introduce you to a um, little lady from Pleasanton. Uh, then the mother of the sons of Zebedee, sons of Zebedee, that's James and John. That's one of their nicknames, but it's not the cool nickname. What's the cool nickname, Kevin? Sons of the Sons of Thunder. It feels like a good tag team wrestling duo or something. Uh, and these guys have a great reputation up to this point. But here mom's going to step in. She wants to talk to Jesus. So she came to him with her sons and kneeling before him, she asked him something. And he said to her, what do you want? She said to him, say that these two sons of mine are to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left in your kingdom. Wow, is that a question or is it more of a statement? slash command say that it's in the imperative ouch uh, but what a great sentence right what a great profession of faith she obviously knows that he is the Christ she knows that he's the son of man and she believes that he will have a kingdom in the future and is that the value of what just happened there no in fact most of you are thinking Scott how did you miss it this is very uncomfortable in fact I don't like it why She's asking for entitlement at the risk of totally offending our geography. Is she from the Tri-Valley? <laughs> what does she want? Preferential treatment? I want something better for my kids than other people which is another way of saying, I want something better for me than for other people. Whoa. Does that bother you? Bother you or not, do you think it's wrong? Kind of weird story. You feel for her because you think, boy, she's gonna get in trouble now, isn't she? I'm glad I didn't ask that question. Hey, say that my sons get preferential treatment. We want the best seats in the house. Jesus answered, you do not know what you're asking. That's an understatement. Are you able to drink the cup that I am to drink? Wait, there's going to be cups at the left and the right hand when you get to the kingdom? Is that what they're talking about? Or is there a cup right there? Wait, where did, where's this cup that you speak of? Where did it come from? What's in it? What are we drinking? Wine. Doesn't say. <laughs> well, Pam knows, but <laughs> she's ahead of us all. This never really gets explained. Kind of. We're going to come back to that in a minute. But she makes this maybe inappropriate request, and Jesus comes back with something that's a little vague and confusing. And then a question. I think a challenge. Are you able to drink the cup that I am to drink? Now, is that ever going to be true? I'd, I'd, I'd be scared to think that anybody can drink from the same cup that Jesus drinks from. 
just in his status as God, as son of the father. Whoa, we're not trying to touch that status, are we? At the same time, uh, fully human and totally humble. And is he a loving, sharing God? Yeah, absolutely. So could we drink a cup? Yeah, everybody could. Well, which, which one is it? I don't know. This is totally too vague. I normally we would say both. Don't say it this time. We don't know. Could be either. And here comes this weird pronoun. They. So where, where did they come from? I, th- I thought it was mom talking to Jesus. Where did they come from? All of a sudden the boys are involved. James and John. They said to him, we are able. Yeah, we can drink that cup. Whatever that cup is, I don't know what the cup is, but whatever, when we find out what it is, whatever it is, yeah, we'll be fine. Do they know what they're talking about? They should have been quiet right there because Jesus just told them a sentence before. You don't know what you're asking. Are they overconfident? It's an overstatement for sure. And Jesus says to them, I don't know if this is good or bad. You will drink the cup. You will drink my cup. But to sit at my right hand, my left, is not mine to grant, but is for those... for whom it has been prepared by who? My father. Here's the problem with the lady. Uh, She's unclear her own position, isn't she? She's really unclear about her boy's position. And although she's aware of who Jesus is and who he's supposed to be and that he will have a kingdom, she's forgotten a key piece of his position. She's gotten confused about who really makes the decision. God the father, period. Even Jesus attests to that every time without fail. And she she hears the thing. Uh, I know I'm going to get myself wrong fairly regularly. A nice long track record to prove this. My kids, I'm going to get wrong from time to time. Not as much because, well, I've had practice and they get to do some of their stuff on their own and maybe I care about them more than I care about me. Here's what I'm really afraid about getting Jesus wrong. Who he is, what he cares about, what he's done. More importantly, maybe, what is he doing now? I'm okay with getting some of my own stuff wrong. I'm okay with getting some of my kids' stuff wrong. I'm really worried about getting Jesus wrong. And she's a little twisted up on all three areas. She walks in and says, hey, do this. Which I don't know that I could ever give Jesus a command. And I'd be really afraid to even ask him a question. I love the little hypothetical game that we play at times. Have you ever played this game? You know, if Jesus was here and you could ask him one question, what would it be? I think my question might be, can we be done now? Because <laughs> I'd be scared to death to ask him. I mean, there's a lot of questions I like to ask. Like, who are my parents, my kids going to marry? You know, who should I invest time in? What are the real important things going on in culture? What do you want me to do? What car should I get next? That might be the most interesting one. But I'm a little nervous about asking him anything because I'm afraid he might come back at me with a follow-up question. And now we're in trouble. Because I have full confidence that I'm at least a little twisted in everything. I'm not sure I'm in much better shape than 
mom who comes and says, hey, I got a plan. He says, yeah, you can drink. When the 10 heard it, verse 24, uh, who are the 10? These are the other disciples, right? They've become the 10. They, They don't even get named now, right? Isn't it ironically appropriate based on what's going on here? We got James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Mom's there, the whole thing. The, ten, the others find out, right? And they're going to handle this much better because they didn't come with that inappropriate request. They were indignant. It's one of the only times you'll find that word in the Bible, folks. Why indignant? Is there some big threat here? Just because somebody else does something that's inappropriate or you don't like or is a different choice than you would have made, Do you need to get upset? Do you need to overreact? I beg the question. Are they doing any better than mom, James, or John? Not really. If they were confused, I'd feel better about them. But no, they're indignant. At the two brothers. Should have been indignant at themselves for not thinking of it themselves in the first place. No. They're not doing any better. But Jesus called them to him and said, all right, gather around, knuckleheads. It's time for coach's speech because this isn't going well. You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. What's that mean? The rulers love their position and they rule. To lord it over somebody, does it sound good or bad? They exercise authority over them. They make rules. They force them on people. They punish them. They make them pay for stuff, tax them, whatever. And what does Jesus say? He says, verse 26, it shall not be so among you. Short version, don't do that. Don't treat people that way. Don't ask for advantage and don't get mad at people who are seeking it. Indignant never need happen. And requests to make yourself better than other people never need happen either. Don't be that way. But whoever would be great among you, what just happened? Who wants to be great? Come on. There's about six, seven of you. Right, the rest of you are liars. Kind of funny, but totally true. We all want greatness. Is is it okay for us to want good things for our kids? Absolutely. In fact, there's other Bible passages about it, right? We know how to give good gifts to our kids. Is is the pursuit of greatness okay? Say yes. Yes. Is there a way to get it wrong? Say yes, right? There's not a problem with great. In fact, Jesus speaking says, whoever would be, not could be, might be, who would be, implying it's possible. It's okay and it's possible. Then let's figure out the right way to pursue it. Let's figure out the right way. Here's the right way. You must be your servant. You want to do great? Learn how to serve. You guys are worried about where they're going to sit later. Jesus says you should be worried about where you're serving. Watch this. I, I, want, I made sure first service caught this. I'm going to be fair to you guys. 
You must. I catch that little little dirty four-letter word right there? Must? You must serve. That's not a conditional statement, folks. She comes to Jesus with an imperative. He says, oh, we're doing imperatives? I'm really good at this game. Here's an imperative for you. Serve. There's your command. That's what you have to follow. Doesn't matter where you sit. And whoever would be first among you, first as possible. Can I get an amen for all the competitive uh, males out there? Huh? <laughs> Type A driven, right? Keeping scores okay. You can be first. How you do that? Must, there's our four-letter word again, be your doulos. Slave. Greek word, slave. Folks, brought this one first service. Here's your second service. Extra, I love people and get the tattoos on their arms and stuff. And then I'm a Christian and I'm going to be a servant. Do loss. Newsflash. Don't mean servant, folks. They didn't have servants back then, really. They had slaves. Do loss means slaves. We say service or servants because why? Because it's politically correct in modern Western culture. Folks, Jesus is very, very clear. You can follow God, you can be a slave. We're not necessarily want to do slavery anywhere else, but we will be slaves to God. I kind of like that. Slavery nowhere else, but there is slavery to God. I'm going to follow him by choice like a slave. Kind of interesting. Love it, it says it that way. Even as the son of man, what? Just like Jesus, that's the other way to say that. Just like Jesus, who was a servant, and dare we say Jesus was a slave to God's will and to the Father, doesn't even pick who gets to sit next to him, right? He came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus knows where his seat was. It was there on the cross. He says, I'm not worried about where I'm sitting later. I'm worried about am I serving now? And who am I really following, myself or am I following God? I learned that verse when I was a young teen at church. Didn't even know it was in Matthew because I learned it from Mark, verse, chapter 10, verse 45. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Still have it memorized to this day because it hit me. At that time, I was serving no one. I, well, I was serving Scott. <laughs> and I was really good at it. Okay. It, it forced me to really rethink things. Am I concerned more about where I sit or am I more concerned about other people? Which means, do I like myself the most? Am I willing to care about other people? That's a hard one. It was very hard for me. Jesus says, this is what we're doing. So nice attempt at your question slash command but we're doing service. Verse 29, ready for quick transition to it doesn't seem like it goes with anything. 
And as they went out of Jericho, a great crowd followed him, and behold, there were two blind men sitting along the roadside. What? What? That was it? Did we get an answer to who sits on the left and the right? No? What happened to mom? What was the fallout for James and John? What was the response of the ten? Story abruptly ends too quickly. Like, wait, no. What's going on? And they move. Next story. Now we're talking about two blind men. What's that have to do with anything? You're going to find out. Because they absolutely go together on purpose. And when they heard Jesus passing by, they cried out, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. You think the, the, the blind guys were loud? Absolutely. Can't necessarily see. Now, uh, when you hear that question, that request, slash that imperative command, you feel much different, don't you? You feel very differently than when the mom asked about where the boys were going to sit in the next kingdom. In fact, when mom asked that question, you don't like it. When these two blind men scream from the roadside, Jesus, have mercy on us, what do you want to happen? Just Jesus, solve it. They got to get their sight back. Well, why, why, why do you get to ask for that and want that, but then the mom doesn't get to ask for hers? Why? Are they different questions? That's in one of the easiest questions at church, huh? Are those two different? For sure. Let's figure out why they're different. Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. The crowd rebuked them, telling them to be silent because the crowd always does so well. Anybody take sociology in, in college, you know, crowd theory? The more people you have in a crowd, what happens to the cumulative IQ of that crowd? It drops. And here's the amazing thing. It doesn't matter if they're Democrats or Republicans. Or, ready for it? This one's going to hurt a little bit. Christians. How'd you know that? Wow, a couple people answered that before I said it out loud. You don't catch that in the audio on the web, do you? Come to church. Love you. Uh, crowd's, crowd's not in the best interest of people. You can find that in almost any crowd that you watch, even today. And they rebuked them when they said, uh, you're being too loud. I want you to be quiet. But they cried out all the more. This is why I love these guys. Right? I kind of see me in them. In fact, this is it. when you're the preacher, this is where you're supposed to get loud. Right, the first one was pretty loud. Right here, I'm supposed to really yell this one pretty loud. Here's the problem. My wife told me you can't yell at church so much. Some people don't like yelling. You know, they have bad experience with yelling and you know, it's intimidating, the whole thing. I was like, I've never met those people. <laughs> She's like, no, they go to our church every week. You just, you can't yell. It's like, oh, I can't be loud. Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. And stopping... Folks, why do you love that before the comma? You love that sentence, but before the comma, you even love. Why? Of any human who ever had an agenda and was busy and was on his way to the most important event in the history of the world, namely the cross, he's got an excuse not to stop. 
But what kind of Jesus do we have? I can solve the cross and I can solve sin and I can solve you even if I stop and take the time for two blind guys who call out to me. Does God stop for you? Not if you don't call him. But you have a God that does care enough to stop even for you, even for them. Stopping, Jesus called them and said, what do you want me to do for you? And they said, Lord, let our eyes be opened. And Jesus, in pity, touched their eyes and immediately they recovered their sight and followed him. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Amen? Amen. I kind of don't understand the two stories being together. Here's just for starters, okay? We're going to go way farther than this. But for starters, why is the good story, the second one, why is it so short? Blind guys call out, hey, be quiet. Nope, we're going to get louder. No matter what Julie thinks. (laughs) What do you want? Oh, you want to see? Okay. Boom, you're healed. Story over. Where's the long speech? It was kind of like in the first story, they asked the inappropriate question or command, and now we're getting into this long story about the Gentiles and lording it over, and you're not going to do that. In fact, we're going to serve. In fact, we're going to call it slavery and da-da-da. Big old, it's like, you know, after the game when the coach holds the players after to have a little speech. Mom and dad are freezing. They're waiting in the car. It's like, what's going on? The game's been over for half an hour. The coach is talking to the players again. When they have a great game, that doesn't happen, right? Hey, good job. Nice win. See you at practice. They get a big, long speech when it doesn't go well. Where's the big, long speech in the second story? Doesn't happen. Doesn't happen. I'm kind of confused as to why the stories are together until you start to really think about something. Both stories, we have somebody approach Jesus. Both stories, we have somebody ask Jesus a question or make a request. Both stories have two guys. You catch that? James and John and the two blind guys. I think it's kind of ironic. Forgot to mention this at first service either. Uh, Which of the two guys were really blind? Ooh, there's some irony. All of a sudden, Matthew's a much better writer than you thought, wasn't he? Fascinating. But there's this this desire to know where they sit. And she says, oh, it's not about your position. It's about where are you willing to serve? And then we get to these guys who say, hey, look, sitting or serving or whatever, we we can't do anything. We just want to see. And so we're Matthew chapter 20, verses 20 through 34, and we're asking the question, sit, serve, or see? And how do we make sense of it? Because we're using S words. Seriously. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) In the middle of, of both stories, just like in the middle of a target, the thing you aim at, is this verse 28. Even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. It kind of points to the idea that 
figuring out where you sit is not the priority. In fact, have you figured this out? When you're sitting, you can't what? You can't sit. How'd you know that? Do you guys go to seminary? When you're figuring out where you're sitting, you're not really working on where you can serve. I, I don't know if I've ever served sitting. I just, I can't really think of how I would do that even. See, we're meant to serve. Regardless of where we don't fill it in yet, regardless of where we sit. Doesn't matter where you sit. Are you serving where you sit? Why would he give you a new place to sit if you haven't served where you're sitting previously? Do you feel a tongue twister coming on? Right? Serve where you're sitting before he puts you in a different seat so that you could serve there sitting. That was an attempt at a tongue twister. Uh, this is the problem with the, with the lady who comes in. Mom comes in. She's asking to serve. She's asking, hey, uh, I want a better position. And that's not our agenda. It's not Jesus' agenda. In fact, if it was about a better position, we would have never got the cross, would we? If it was about a better position, he would have stopped on the side of the road for the two blind men. But because he did and because he does, do you remember what it said about the two blind men? Immediately their sight was restored and they, did you catch it? I purposely didn't draw attention. Followed him, you caught it. See, when serving is the priority, not sitting, people follow. That makes sense. Why do you go to that church? It just seems real to me. What does that even mean? I want to go deeper. It's deeper at that church. Awesome. Deeper in what? How do you even do deep? I don't, I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. But when you're being served and you have an opportunity to serve, that's very different than who's picking who sits where. Right? If I did assigned seating here, you wouldn't come. Right? And this is the problem with the lady. We don't have a problem with the two blind men. Because were they asking about where they were going to sit? No. In fact, they were already sitting on the side of the road. And they were fine with it. They didn't ask anything about that. But they really didn't ask about serving either. Did they? Right? Verses 32, 33. Hey, Jesus, help us see again. Why is that request okay and the first one's not? Because that request is about, I need to improve my condition. There's something wrong and I need help. Both scenarios acknowledge who Jesus is as Savior. The, the value of the second one, they ask to improve their condition rather than their position. That's where we get in trouble. Are you asking to improve your position or are you asking to improve your condition? This, this one's going to hurt a little. I'm really sorry. Uh, God doesn't care about your position. He really doesn't. He wants to know your condition in the position you're in. And he may change your position. He might care about putting you in another position, but what's he going to want to fix first? 
your condition, put you in a place where you could do something. Because here's the brilliant piece of this. When the blind men see, could they find another seat? A lot more easily. And would they be in a better position to serve? Absolutely. See, when we start applying logic to it and math or whatever, it's not quite math, but it really starts to make sense why their request was okay, but the mom's request was inappropriate. You see, our mission is to improve our condition, not our position. And so you have to make a decision if you're willing to follow that transition. You can tell I was waiting all week to do that. Right? But it's brilliant because verse 28 really emphasizes that idea. Are you working on your condition, serving? Maybe you can't even serve because you've got a condition issue. God, I can't even see. I have trouble walking. I, if I do this, I can't breathe and whatever. I, I get myself in this scenario and I, I collapse or I can't, I can't manage or I'm afraid or whatever. God, work, can you work on that? Would God stop and answer that question for you? Of course. Why? Because he likes you. I mean, he loves you, right? We say that at church all the time. God loves you and offers a wonderful plan for your life, right? It's the beginning of the four spiritual laws, which the actual laws aren't in scripture, but the verses are. Have you thought that maybe he likes you too? As much as he loves you, he likes you. He does want to stop. He does want to improve your condition and get to a place where you could serve. We could see better and do all those kind of things. <coughs> He's got to get us off of fixating on status, position, what's going to happen in the future. Hey, God, you know, later, is this going to pay off? Folks, why would you delay gratification like that? I mean, let's just be really human. I want it to pay off right now. I want my relationship with the Lord to pay off today in this service. When this service is over, I want the Lord to pay off in my next meeting. I want my relationship to pay off when I take my daughter to the hospital or I go to a dinner. I want my relationship with the Lord to pay off regardless of the position. I want there to be conditional benefits. And I don't mean conditional if, then. I mean my condition, your condition, benefits because of the relationship we have with the Lord and our ability to ask him questions and interact and him to stop and do things immediately. That's what we need to get out. We got to make that known that God actually answers prayers, that it actually works. And then when we do, we need to get loud in crowds. Even if some of the people don't like loud because see, now I got a verse for my wife. <laughs> the two blind men got loud in a crowd. And you know what? There were probably some people there who didn't like it and wanted them to be quiet, like would try to silence it. Oh, wait, they did do that. I did not ask permission to share this story in first service, but I did ask permission of one of them for second service. I'm going to take a risk at getting in trouble with the second one that I didn't ask. You ready? We, we've been praying for the Mackins for a couple years. 
Bryce got MS. And all of the things that aren't fun about that. Dealing with work and trying to figure out how to walk and all that stuff. And and just when it's, it's kind of getting as bad as it gets, he, he finds some program in Russia that no one will pay for. <laughs> Underground, dark web, I don't know. He decides to go try this thing and it works. And we're praying for him and he finally comes back and he's finally making progress. Like, whew, out of the woods, long road ahead, right? Because he still doesn't walk like most of us. But out of the woods and we're making progress. How awesome is that? And like, as soon as that happens, we find out she gets cancer. Now, folks, I'm a pastor and I got questions for God. Dude, what are you doing? Because this don't make sense. And it's not fair. Why are you messing with their condition? She does all the stuff. We prayed for her. You made meals. She did the chemos and the surgery. I'm getting this right. Uh, and now she's cancer free. <laughs> so we're out to dinner last night. 47th birthday. And we're in this back room and there's like a bunch of different tables and, and there's this one table next to us got like 14 people and then they do this little toast. Hey, so-and-so is having their 40th birthday blah, 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 and I think they might have sang happy birthday. I couldn't tell, but they, they clanged some glasses and the whole thing was kind of over. And I thought to myself, man, that's not a toast. And we got more to toast. What's going on here? And I'm, I'm just sitting there being nice, eating my chipino, right? So I'm going to let it go. And somebody says, we got to do a toast for Stacy. I'm like, yeah, we, if we do it, it better be good. I hope they pick somebody good. <laughs> <laughs> and they start running names around the table. So-and-so, why don't you do it? And the whole thing, I'm, I'm thinking, man, if they ask me, I'm getting loud. In fact, I'm going to take over this room because we got more to celebrate. Somebody says, Scott, why don't you do it? Because, folks, the default, I don't know why this is, but if you're in public, it's always the pastor, right? Bryce, am I right? That's what it's like for you unless I'm there. That's the only time you get off the hook, right? So it comes to me, and I, and I, I look down the table. I said, if I'm doing it, I'm doing it loud. They're like, go. I got up, and I said, ladies and gentlemen, you know, got the whole room's attention. Like, who's this loudmouth? We're celebrating our birthday too, 47 years because she beat cancer and the room erupted. It was awesome. People were crying, throwing mud. No, they weren't. It was, it was, it was awesome. But it, it was a great moment because we have a lot to celebrate. But we need not be quiet or shy. How many people understand what we have? How many people know who God is? And how many people are just working on where their better seat is? Wow. Folks, when you walk into the party, walk in last. Why? Because then the seats are already chosen and you just sit in the one that's left. Amen? Gary, with you, bro. Me and Gary last night. Uh, so the question becomes, what are you asking for? Are you the lady? What are you really asking for? Stephen? What are you really asking for? Are you walking in like the mom 
The Pleasanton mom. Hey, are James and Johnny going to get preferential treatment? Are you concerned about your position and where you're going to get to sit, what your title is? Are you going to miss out? Is Johnny going to be at a disadvantage? I hope so because that will make him stronger when he's got to work for it more. I want to play against the best team in the championship because when I win, I want to feel like I actually won something. Or, verse 33, can I just see? I, I love that these stories are paired together. Because Bryce and Stacy aren't asking to serve. They were just asking to get better. These two blind people weren't asking for anything other. Can we just see? We, we can't even see. Long before you can get on to the serve thing, you got, you got to be in a, a place, an ability level to actually do something. And that's what verse 33 is. Where you say, hey God, we just want to see. One of the greatest comparisons between these two stories is this fact. Both stories are initiated by Jesus asking the question of the person, what do you want? What can I do for you? I asked you if you had a Jesus who would stop along the road for you. I want to go another step for you. When he stopped, would he ask you, hey, what do you want from me? What can I do for you? How crazy that in his ability and position and condition, he wants to stop and cater to you. Cater, that sounds like entitlement. Yeah, you're that important to him. You get to be entitled that he cares about you and wants to work on you that much. How cool is that? Those are the two questions that generally when reading these two stories, you say, what am I asking for? Which one? I want to submit to you a third and probably the most important because it got skipped over and it really didn't get explained. In verse 22, careful. Jesus asked the question, are you able to drink from the cup that I am to drink? And we didn't explain that. And Jesus on the way to his cross, he's going to get tortured. He's got court appointments to go to, the whole thing. It's going to get really ugly and he's going to be crucified. And along the way, it's not going to go well. Accusations, other guys put in jail. By the way, how did the 12 fare after Jesus left? Not a single one of them lived to a ripe old age and died of natural causes. They were all killed for the cause. Are you able to drink from the cup that I am to drink? Because it's not going to be easy. It will end well, but it's going to be rough along the way. You're going to have questions. You're going to get frustrated. But are you with me? James and John and mom said, oh yeah, we can. Nonchalant. What did the, the two blind men say? Help me see. And when he did it, they got up and they followed him. Yeah, we'll drink the cup. I don't know if I can't. We'll drink it. I don't know if I can't. I don't know if I'm able. But I'm going to follow along and see what happens. That's the difference between sitting, serving, and seeing. Amen? You got to decide where you are.
Maybe you've been asking where you're sitting for way too long and you figured out there's better questions. And maybe you're in great shape. It's time for you to serve. And you got to figure out. And can I just love on you guys for a minute? This church is awesome. And one of my greatest joys is watching the way you guys work and serve. And I don't mean about giving money, okay? We don't do that. We don't ask for money. But you guys show up at things and you do a lot of stuff around here. More importantly, you do most of your stuff outside of here where you get involved with the team or the teacher or whatever it is and you serve. And it makes a huge difference. And people show up at this place because of you guys. Maybe you're needing to figure out where's my next serve. Some of you can't even get to those first two questions because there's a C issue. I've got a boundary, a barrier, something in the way, a hindrance, a fear, a motion, a thought, an irrational, a permission thing, whatever it is. And you need God to come in and step in and, and do something there. Great. Whatever your question, ask it. And then follow and see what he does with it. Father God, thank you that we can all be different and all at different places and we can all be in good condition. None of us are. We all have things to work on, Lord, but it's possible. And Lord, thank you that great and first can happen and that you define them, not us. But you define them in ways that can actually work. And then you give us hints and a path to pursue them like serving. I pray, Lord, that you would, you would show each of us how to do that. And show us the, pro the, the questions that are inappropriate. And then show us the ones that are productive. That are personal. That will get us to the next place with you. Father, we thank you for this offering that we're about to receive. And we're grateful for all the decisions you will make with it. We praise you in your son Jesus' name. Amen.